Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Talking City podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Daniel Murphy. And joining me today is a dog from somewhere, um, but also Mr. Stuart Brennan. Stuart, how are you? <laughs> yeah, I'll hold my hands up. It's my dog. He always <laughs> does it. Whenever I do any podcasts, anything like that, pets press conferences, yep. the dog starts up. He yep, always I've, has had, to. I've had to banish mine to the kitchen for this half an hour so she doesn't start yapping on like she always tends to do. But also joining me today is Mr. Joe Bray. Joe, how are you? Not too bad. Uh, no pets with me either. We had my cat last time, but uh, she's not in the room this week, so we're all good. That's good, because I've not had good luck with animals this week at Cheltenham. I'm, I'm not happy with them this week. But we'll move on to the football. Big news today, lads. The Champions League draw was held on Friday morning. And City have got quite an interesting run to the final, should they do there. But first of all, quarterfinals after beating Gladbach on Tuesday. They'll face another German team in Borussia Dortmund. They haven't met Dortmund since 2012 when they got knocked out the group stages at their hands. And Stu, it looks like it could be quite the Mifortian tie. And Dortmund aren't exactly going great guns in the Bundesliga. They sat the manager a few months ago and hired a new one in Marco Rosa, but he isn't in the door yet. It won't be till next season. Borussia Mönchengladbach's manager, nonetheless. And... They've been a bit inconsistent, but still have a lot of talent that can hurt City, most namely Haaland and if he's fit against Sancho. But yeah, it sounds like it's going to be um, it's got a, it's, a, it's a good tie with a lot of narrative potential in there. Yeah, in, in terms of being the last eight of the Champions League and you're looking for, a, I wouldn't say an easy tie because I don't think there's any sort of thing when you get to this stage, but it's easier, you know, you, mm. you see Bayern, Bayern Munich in there and PSG and, and teams that have given City so many problems in the past, Liverpool being, being prime mm-hmm. amongst them. Yeah, I mean, Dortmund, I think most City fans w- would take that. I mean, it's a step up from Borussia Mönchengladbach, there's no doubt about that. And as you say, you know, in, in Haaland, Sancho, two of the best young players in Europe. So it'll, it'll be difficult, you know, and it, it's not a given. I was at the two the two games against Dortmund seven years ago when when they were knocked out and City was second best by a country mile. I know we've progressed a, a lot since then. Things have come on a lot at City since then. But Joe Joe Hart was in sensational form in in the home game that City drew one one. You know, bar for him, it would have been about six or seven one. That was obviously a different City team, different Dortmund team, but. You know, Dortmund are always live, and they'll fancy it. German teams always do. You know, uh, I think Munch and Gladbach City were fortunate in that they caught them at just the right moment when they did pretty much fallen off a cliff uh, in terms of their form and what was going on with them at the club. Dortmund won't be like that. They'll be up for it. Uh, and they've got nothing to lose. And as we've seen, City have got a recent track record of messing up. Not when they play a big team, but when they play, you know, somebody that they're expected to beat. You know, when they're expected to beat... They were expected to beat Tottenham, they were expected to beat Monaco, they were expected to beat Lyon last season. So, you know, that it's 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 not a given. It's far from being a given. But, you know, you'd still, I think City fans would have taken it. Yeah, absolutely. As we say, City haven't got to the semi-finals since Manuel Pellegrini's last season, Joe. Was this, how do you see this tie going? Is this the one that City finally kind of get over the line? Do they finally get over the last um, eight kind of hoodoo they've got? As kind of Stu points out, they've had what you'd kind of assess as comfortable draws or at least 
the best of a bad bunch in the last three years. Well, every season under Guardiola, you'd have fancied them, as we said, to get through every quarterfinal they've had. But yeah, will, yeah, will, will history repeat itself here? Like Dortmund, as we're saying, like pose a great threat, but they're no good defensively, really, as they have been since Klopp's left. Always quite frail at the back and aren't going particularly well in the Bundesliga. But that's kind of the team that you could see striking. Um, you know, Pep overthinks it in the matches, plays a weird formation for no reason, and then they get caught on the counter sort of thing. I think, I, I, do you know what? I've got no idea how this tie is going to go. It could be sort of four-four thriller in both games. It could be a really tight one because we, the, there's, the attackers of Dortmund are, are ridiculous, and you'd back Erling Haaland to score against whoever he plays against. But then this is a City side who kept is it seven clean sheets in a row in the Champions League they've conceded once this season I think only Arsenal back in the day when they were decent have, have kept a, a longer uh, run of, of not conceding in the Champions League so it's it's going to be really really interesting and I think Guardiola's team sheet is going to be interesting because it is the type of attacking lineup that he will he will sort of adapt his own team to to uh, to combat against. But the way City defenders are playing, you, you you back them as well. So I think it'll be a, a fascinating sort of tactical battle. And uh, it was interesting. Ilkay Gundogan took to Twitter after the draw and said uh, it'll be a shame that the uh, the yellow wall at Dortmund won't be there. But I think City might benefit from not having that atmosphere in Dortmund or if it's even played in Germany. I'm not entirely sure what the are going to be with that but I think City will probably uh, go into it as favourites the favourites for the competition which I don't particularly understand because I think there's Bayern Munich and PSG would would be uh, Mm -hmm. bigger favourites for me but um, yeah no really looking forward to it because it's it's going to be two two teams that will will look at this competition and think they've they've got a really good chance but they're not not unbeatable both of them so yeah really looking forward to it but I've no idea which way it's going to go yeah I think I think the likelihood is that it might be played in a neutral venue if restrictions which kind of affected the Mönchengladbach game haven't changed and then you'd probably presume it'd be played in Budapest because that seems to be the ground where everyone either that or Mm -hmm. Athens I think are the matches where English teams are playing their games or of course maybe Turin so as you say like yeah that might be a big factor Dortmund they always strike me as kind of a Liverpool-esque sort of club in where they are probably more than any other team kind of galvanised by um, a really kind of boisterous crowd. And without that, I think it will definitely kind of, you know, take kind of a boost for them out of them. But again, we would have thought City kind of, they've done really well in this cup of a more kind of sanitised atmosphere this season. But of course, did get knocked out in the Champions League in the exact same atmosphere last season against a team you'd have thought. So it's very, as you say, it's a really fascinating tie. I think the first leg will be play, played the first week of April, the first week after the international break. So um, a lot to look forward to there. As we say, with Dortmund, a lot of narrative potential, Stu. Sancho, if he's fit again, he's out of the international break. Um, it looks like he might not be with the injury he's got, but how, are you excited to kind of see him play against City? He's, he left in 2017, I think it was. He's gone on to become, you know, he's still only 20, 21, whatever he is. He's gone on to become one of the best and most exciting young players in the world. Um, will it be his his show of like, you know, you, you, you never knew what you'd had with him when he comes back to City? Will he be out for revenge if he does get to play? I don't think he could claim that, Santo, and I don't think he would claim that because he knows that City wanted him to stay. You know, they, they did desperately. It wasn't like they just let him go on a, on a whim. He was out of contract. City offered him a big new contract. The one thing they wouldn't offer him, I mean, this is this is what we heard, was that uh, they wouldn't offer him uh, assurances over his appearances. He'd been already been told he was going to move up. He was going to be a full-time member of the first team squad the following season, which was the first pet title season, 2017-2018. Uh, but, you know, you can't give assurances. It doesn't happen in football. You've got to earn your place. And if Sancho wanted to 
to play in the first team. He had to back himself. Uh, but of course, you, you have deaf competition. You've got you've already got Sterling there. You got Leroy Sane, just just two who played in in the same position as him. So it was it was tough. And then that escalated. But because he wouldn't, because he got stuck on the contract. Pep being Pep won't have anything to do with egos or anything like that. And he he left him out of the the tour. And that was that. You know, Sancho decided that it wasn't for him. He was leaving. Now City have said and Sancho has said since that there's no bad blood. And I can believe that because Sancho's gone on and had a, had a great career so far at Dortmund, even though he's he's only young still. Um, and City went on and won the title the following season. So Jaden Sancho was instantly forgotten as City swept all before them. So I'm sure there isn't any bad blood. But yeah, I mean, in terms of somebody who can hurt you, we know I, I've watched him playing playing the, the youth team. City had a brilliant youth team with Phil Foden and Brahim Diaz. I mean, what a front three! I mean, Diaz is the one who hasn't really blossomed uh, the way the other two have done, but he's, he's still a still a great talent, and he wasn't in that in that City youth team. But he's 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 been brilliant, and of course with with Erling Haaland in that in that Dortmund team as well. They've got they've got two two of the two of the probably two of the top in the top five young players in Europe in the side. So uh, inexperienced, but doesn't seem to matter. When you're that good, as Phil Foden shows, when you're that good, you're inexperienced. Mm -hmm. tends to be a little bit irrelevant. And as I say, the other interesting caveat, Joe, um, is Haaland. Um, City want a striker in the summer. No striker makes more sense in the world than signing Haaland. He's 20, he scored. The last time I checked, it might be up, it might have gone up by now, who knows. But last time I checked, it was 47 goals in, 40, in just 46 games for Dortmund. Quickest, youngest ever player to reach 20 goals in the Champions League, I think it is. Will soon be the youngest player to get to 25 goals when he beats... The record Mbappe set just the other week. Like he's an absolute phenomenon. He's just an, a, a monster, just a player who's just like he just looks like he literally has been made in a lab. And the way he just manhandles his teammates in celebrations, he just looks like a phenomenon. And if he does come to City, like is this game going to be a sort of you know an audition for City? Inverted commas. Like is that what we're going to see? Is it could you know if Dortmund pull up the upset, will it be the one that is it? a silver lining that it kind of confirms City's goals to go and get Haaland because they won't be the only team interested in this summit, no doubt. We already know United have settled on him as their number one choice for a striker. I imagine plenty of other Premier League clubs, and if not the biggest clubs in Europe, will all be circling this summer. You know, will this will this performance here kind of solidify their desire to go and get him? Well, it was interesting to hear from Guardiola when he was asked about Haaland in his press conference. He said, oh, well, I've not had much chance to, uh, to watch him, but the record speaks for itself, so maybe maybe we'll be on for Guardiola to, to have a look at him up close and, and personal and have a couple of words before and after the match. And and yeah, who knows? I think it'll be it'll be really good just to see him in, in England and see how it is. And he's obviously got that connection with City, with his, his dad playing for City. There's a picture of him wearing that City shirt. He was at Wembley for one of the games. It's, there's going to be a lot of uh, narrative, as you say, and there'll uh, be a lot of words written and a lot of pundit speaking and uh, and all that about is, is it going to be the audition, as you say. But um, yeah, I think the thing with Haaland is he can score out of nothing. So this incredible City defence is could could be undone really really quickly by one Erling Haaland masterstroke so yeah I'm, I'm I'm intrigued to see how he does how he does in in sort of an English stadium if it is in England and uh, yeah really really interested and for mm-hmm. City he is he fits the bill of exactly what they would want so yeah very interesting to see what happens Stu you you look like you've got something to say yeah <laughs> I just I just want to add at this point can I make the point that I was the first journalist ever to write about Erling Haaland really? 20, 20, you know 15 years before anyone else ever mentioned him 
uh, and it's really, really embarrassing, actually. Um, I'll, I'll quickly tell you the story, but when he was born, 2000, this shows you how old I am. When he was, <laughs> when he was born, um, I was still, I was at the evening news. Uh, I wasn't covering City. My predecessor, Chris Bailey, was, but he was off. Um, and I got a, a nod from the sports editor saying, Alfinger Harlands uh, and his wife have had a little baby. Uh, we, we're gonna, we got some nice pics of the two of them with the baby. Can you ring him up and, and get a piece? So rang up Alf. Spoke to him, he's in his Norwegian accent and uh, congratulated him and had a chat about the baby. And I said, you know, what's the baby called? And he said, oh, we haven't given it a name yet. He's called, we, and in his Norwegian accent, he said, we call him Mr. Eggs. <laughs> and, I, and I said, oh, that's strange. Is that is that some kind of Norwegian thing, just like a nickname? He said, yeah, yeah, it's a nickname in Norway. So great. So I went away and I wrote the, wrote the picture caption story saying they haven't called the baby, given the baby a name yet, but they call him Mr. Eggs. And then, of course, a few days later, Chris Baylor came back and saw Alfinger Harland at the training ground. He said, who was that idiot that rang me up the other day? <laughs> and I told him that my baby is called Mr. X. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> it never, wow. so, as soon as he said it, it was obvious. But I was just hoping that if Erling Harland does come to City, that he doesn't hold it against me. No, no. You certainly got <laughs> left with egg on your face there, Stu, didn't you? Hey! Very good, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so you, you even got to him before I did in the summer before he was even at Salzburg, I think he scored nine goals for Norway's under-19s against um, New Zealand, I think it was, a few years ago. But yeah, it seems like Haaland is going to be kind of the start, you know, the all the, I'm sure in the week leading up to the fixture, we'll have plenty of stories about him. I'm sure you'll even get that written in there somewhere, Stu, get that in a column somewhere. Get You've got to use every story you can possibly get to its full extent. <laughs> Yeah, even the embarrassing ones. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, should City get past Dortmund and get into the semi-finals for the first time under Guardiola, well, they won't have an easy task when they get there because they'll either face last year's winners in Bayern Munich or last year's runners-up in PSG. At PSG, that, that look a bit better under Pochettino, even though, even though Tuchel's doing a great, great job at Chelsea at the minute. Joe, which team would you rather them see? I think as a neutral perspective, I, I think City and Bayern is the glamour European tie that we've not had for the last few years. It's the one, it's the, the, the two best teams in Europe. If you don't just go off the competition, like the two informed sides, the two best teams in pure players and quality. We'll have obviously the Leroy Sane links, which will have given us even more juicy narrative to kind of use for our selfish selves. That is the tie we've not had yet. And that seems like the, the epic one that could really make a massive Champions League semi-final. But PSG, you know, if you're a City fan, you probably want PSG because you might see that as a bit more of a winnable tie. Yeah, I think once they uh, once they got Dortmund in the quarters, the semi-final they didn't want was uh, Bayern or PSG because, as you say, they were the finalists last season. You, you would expect that the winner will come from this half of the draw uh, with sort of underperforming sides in the other half. So if City are going to win it, they're going to have to do it the hard way. And I, I think it's it's generally accepted that if you beat Bayern Munich, you've got a very, very good chance of winning the Champions League. But uh, maybe City's job might be done for them if, if PSG can do that because uh, Bayern won't be looking at that draw and thinking that's an easy one if they've got PSG then either City or Dortmund so yeah um, I, I really wouldn't know how to call it I think the, the City-Bayern potential semi-final would be interesting but I think it's probably one that Bayern would have the edge over two legs I think just their experience and, and the way that they play would probably give them sort of just a bit more than than City would in a semi-final. I think if you had PSG, it'd be a bit similar to Dortmund, really. They've got some very, very exciting attacking players, but probably a bit more of a defence that they can try and exploit. So there's a risk that 
it would take one moment of genius from Mbappe, but also there's probably a bit more chance that City can control that game as as they would want. So it'll be very, very interesting to see what happens. But maybe City's best chance of winning will be for PSG to do the job on Bayern, which, you know, they took it, was it extra time in the in the final last mm-hmm. year? It was only 1-0. Yeah. So. It was only 1-0. I think it was 90, but it was a kind of a really tight game, probably tighter mm-hmm. than you'd have thought. So maybe uh, PSG, after beating Barcelona, will feel they're in a better position. It'll be, mm-hmm. uh, it'll be a... I think that's the pick of the uh, semi-finals, even though City versus Dortmund is is a very exciting one itself. So mm-hmm. I will definitely be giving more attention to that side of the draw mm-hmm. than uh, Chelsea yeah. versus Porto, for example. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Stu, like City v Bayern, like it might even potentially be a bit more spicy in the um, the boardrooms when they come for the pre-match meetings or whatever than the actual pitch after the whole Sane saga, which I'd kind of deleted out of my mind out of kind of just out of purging it out for the good of my health for, after a year of writing the same thing about Karl Heinz Rummenigger writing about City and um, every all the kind of spats to and fro about Sane. But yeah, which which one would you think City would rather have? And can City go and win it this year? Like it seems like they've got the hardest draw, but they seem like they're the best and most informed team in the competition. Like is this finally their year? Sadly, the one with no fans are there. Yeah, it's it's the same old story. You, you you've got to beat the best teams to win it, whether that's in the semi final the quarter-final or the final, and that's what's going to happen. You know, if if they get through that semi-final, you'd set them to beat anyone, and that would be the final barrier for me, for City. You know, they've progressed in Europe and then fallen down and progressed and fallen down. To get past Bayern in the semi or to get past PSG in the semi, uh, I mean, it wouldn't be a, a given that they'd win the final. And, I mean, I've got this horrific vision of a City-Liverpool final, which uh, which terrifies me uh, in, in many, many ways. <laughs> but... Um, I'd, I keep swaying between the two. I mean, everyone knows what Bayern are like in the Champions League. They, they're so full of confidence. They believe in themselves to such an extent that they, 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 you know, they dismiss. They, they'd accept the fact that City have been made favourites and take it as a challenge. Uh, and they're such a good side. But PSG have got the tools that really make City struggle. You know, Mbappe's done it to them before in this competition, and that pace that they've got. Uh, I, I know, I know, Bayern have got pace themselves with Sane and Gnabry and people like this but but I think that uh, I, th- I think that Mbappe is exceptional and and that would that would really trouble City uh, I mean if Adama Traore can can give them nightmares I'm pretty sure that, that Kyle and Mbappe can so I, I I don't think it's much of a I don't think it it really matters which one they face this is presuming they get past Dortmund of course because that's that's absolutely not a given um, but you know if they do get past Dortmund I don't think it really matters because they're going to have to beat the best team and one of those two is is the best team in Europe if it isn't City. Well, moving on from the draw, it's been a strange week for City, one that's had two comfortable wins in the end, but kind of a bit of a kind of edgy one nevertheless. First, it started with a Fulham game, Joe, and I think it was just such a bizarre kind of thing when the team came out. No De Bruyne, no Gundogan, no Mares, no Sterling in the slightest and no Foden in the team. He plays in a free at the back, which he hadn't done for quite a while, if memory serves. No, there's not. There's nothing wrong with a free at the back when you free at the back is Diaz, Laporte, and Stones, but it just seemed just out of the blue, a, a classic bit of Pep overthinking in a game he would never usually overthink in against you know a relegation struggler. They won in the end, but they struggled in the first half, and it was only kind of a defensive mishap that gave them the second goal and put them in proper control. What, what's going on? And I think you know Sterling. It's been a weird week for Raheem Sterling as well. Not played either of the games. Well, that was it. I was looking at the team. I was thinking, oh wow, Mendy's back. Oh, it's a, you know it's a back three. There's uh, two strikers, and then suddenly you realise there's no Raheem Sterling at all. So Guardiola says it was tactical. He, he played down any sort of suggestion of 
of it being anything other. Um, Sterling came back in the week, so I think you just got to take him at, take him at his word because he did make a lot of changes. That was clearly a team sheet with the Munchen Gladbach game in mind, and it yeah, it wasn't a great watch in the first half, pretty uh, pretty rubbish. But then it took them 13, 14 minutes in the second half to go three 0 up, and then and that was the game won, and Fulham had no answer, and it was it was a game that champions win when they're not at the best, but they just turn it on enough to win the game. Were clinical, they were ruthless in that in that 15 minute period, and and that was it. I don't think. It was one of those games that is sort of forgotten pretty much as soon as it's finished. And there's probably more positive to take out of it in the fact that there was a lot of players rested. Sergio Aguero scored, of course. City scored a penalty. And then, yeah, take the three points and, and move on to, to Mönchengladbach, mm-hmm. which was another very professional performance. With the players that were rested came back in. They looked better for having that rest. And then, you know, as soon as City scored that goal early on, that fantastic Kevin De Bruyne goal, and then doubled it with the, the Ilkay Gundogan one, the game was won. And, and City are starting to do that. They're starting to manage the game so that the last half hour or so, they don't have to do anything. They're, they're winning these games so that they can almost rest players while they're playing. And, mm-hmm. and that's that's the sign of of a very good team who's who's got their eyes on winning a lot of games. And Guardiola always says he's thinking of the next game. Maybe he's you know he's doing that in the previous mm-hmm. game in in sometimes. And yeah, I think a, a week that Guardiola will be very happy about, even if maybe eighty percent of both games weren't the best to watch from a mm-hmm. from a neutral point of view. Yeah, I think you're definitely spot on there because I think I remember at the start of kind of playing from home and this season when the substitution for RA was kicking off. Obviously, Premier League stuck with three, but Guardiola was among many managers wanting five. But then he'd get in criticism for not making any changes in some games, even though they'd had it won. I remember they were like 5 0 up against someone. It might have even been the other game against Fulham. And he's not making any changes. But that's because if Stuart kind of feels like he wants to, as Joe said, then rest his players on the pitch and give the players who are on the bench a complete rest. And then that, you know, that saves everyone energy in the long run. But yeah, it was a strange week for City, Stuart. Kind of, let's say, good wins kind of a weird kind of edge off it. Aguero was pictured coming off the pitch in one game. And if you can remind me what he said, someone have apparently said by ESPN about not getting past that too. No, it was it was seemed like it was going to be a good week for him. He scored against Fulham and then it's not gone that way towards the end. Like where do you see Aguero's future Stuart after this kind of weird week? With every week that goes by, you sort of come into conclusion that this might be this might be yeah. it for him. Uh, you know, City have always said Sergio Aguero will choose his own moment when he leaves City. But I think that is sort of predicated on the fact that Aguero himself will know when, when the time has come. Um, and it does look increasingly like like that time might be now. Uh, I thought that was part of the problem at Fulham. I, I, didn't think, I thought the system was, was fine. They've played that system before. Uh, when they play Mendy, three at the back and Mendy bombing on makes, makes infinite good sense because that's what he's best at. But I thought the problem, the way, the, the reason it didn't click so well was because Mendy was was out, a little bit out of touch. But Aguero was very much out of touch as well. And Pep's already made the point that they haven't really, at this stage of the season, they're chasing four trophies. It's difficult to give him time, you know, because Aguero, more than most other players, takes a while to get going. Whenever he comes back from injury, whenever he's been out for a while, it takes him a bit to get to get firing again, to get started. And then... To hear the reports that he was he was sort of saying in Spanish as he made his way off the pitch. Uh, you know, they're not passing to me. I mean, it, we don't know the context to that. If 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 somebody said to him, you know, they might have made a joke and saying, well, you, you didn't score. What's going on? You know, you didn't do, you didn't score there, Sergio. And he said, well, they're not passing to me. Well, it, it's entirely innocent. But on its own, it, it sounds like he's he's upset and he's not happy with his teammates and, mm-hmm. and so on. So without getting the context of that, um, 
you know, we, we, we can't really can't really judge it. But it is it is increasingly difficult. And we know City are in the market for a striker. Gabriel Jesus isn't likely to go anywhere. So you kind of think Aguero will be looking at it. And if City City do get somebody, I'm sure City uh, I'm sure they'll tip him the wink and say, Look, you know, we've got Erling Haaland coming in or we've got this player or that player coming in. And of course Liam Delap is coming up on the on the rails as well. I know he's yeah. he's young, but he's just been I've I've watched him a couple of times recently playing for the EDS and he's just exceptional. He's mm. just you know, we're talking about Erling Haaland. Uh, this kid isn't at that level, but he could well no. be, you know, from what no, I've I agree seen with you. a lot. I- I was lucky enough to go to the Youth Cup game last week and he played in that and he's still only just turned 18, Delap, but he's still eligible to play in the Youth Cup, obviously. But he just looks a cut above. Like, their players, he's just looked bigger, stronger, leaner, more faster than all of them. He was bullying defenders at, within 10 minutes. Well, he scored his first goal within three minutes, a simple pass it into the corner finish. And then within 10 minutes, Birmingham had gone to a back five just to contend with him. And then he went on to score a really nice back heel. Like, as you say, yeah. The lap, like, he, he, I'm not saying he's as good as Haaland, obviously, who is at the minute, but he reminds me of him in that he's just a physical kind of beast compared to those around him. He's just so well-developed at such a young age. And if he continues going that way, well, as you say, like, City are going to be well-stocked in the attacking department. He's probably still too young to rely on just yet, but it can't be. It won't be long. As you said earlier, if you're good enough, you're experienced enough at the end of the day. Like, Joe, for me, I'm a bit of a, sent- you know, a, bit of a, um, a sentimental at heart sort of person to me i'd keep aguero for another year regardless if it's not anything else just so he can play in front of the fans again i'm soppy like that i can't help it but um you know i but in a, in a kind of practical sense he's still an experienced winner one of the leaders in the squad it's an amazing goal scorer who's had a bad year of injuries there's no saying that if he gets a good pre-season and comes back fully fit that he can't get you know find his flow again we were saying just a year ago that it doesn't doesn't seem like he's aging and now that he's had a bad year of injuries it seems like he's on the way out what what would you do with his kind of his contract situation i think i'd do what city are going to do and, and let him decide and if, if mm. he decides that this year has been sort of too much and he doesn't want to repeat of that, then fair enough. And I think it's absolutely right that he's earned the decision of how to end his City career and nobody wants to see it end sort of like in, in the sort of damp squib way it is ending. But if that's if that's his choice, that's his choice. And you, you see the rumours of him being linked with Barcelona and, you know, I, I think that would be a perfect fit, to be honest. You know, a, a big club, a sort of a, a nice sort of final payday for him. It, it feels like maybe if that sort of offers on the table, I don't know whether it is or not, then maybe that would uh, be a, a, the right time to sort of move on. But the, certainly looking at Aguero when he's been playing, he's, he's not influencing the games as much as he did. And I think City have moved on from relying on him as much as they did before he got injured because they've had to learn how to play with him when he's not been playing. And, and they've done it quite well with all the false nines. You look at the... Mm-hmm. Um, Champions League game in the week and uh, you know they, they were playing with a false nine because that's the strongest way that they're playing at the moment and, and Aguero's not getting a looking in that so yeah uh, mm-hmm. it, it's up to him I think if, if he decides to say City won't complain at all but it's it's looking like it might be uh, moving towards mm-hmm. uh, sort of a, a handshake and move on Well next week we've got an international break so we'll be able to go into a lot more in depth on that if we do an episode of the podcast and talk about some of the other issues that City fell forward and whatnot and what a lot of other kind of the transfer window and what's coming up. We've got a game at the weekend against Everton, FA Cup. We're running out of time, lads, so quickly, shall we give me your predictions for the FA Cup? Everton are depleted. So their two first-choice goalkeepers are out. I can't see anything other than a City advance to the FA Cup semi-finals, Stu. Where do you see it going? Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't bet against City in any game, in any competition at the moment. Uh, they'll make a lot of changes. 
but they'll still be strong. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say City. Uh, but it is the mm-hmm. FA Cup and it throws them up. Mm-hmm. It certainly does. Yeah, again, another cup competition where they've often lost a team you wouldn't expect, Joe. But I say Everton about Pickford, Olsen, Rodriguez, Decore, Gabanim, who they've never had, to be fair, and um, Delph. So it's like, you know, it's going to be a depleted Everton. You can't, I, it's going to be difficult to see them, you know, a full strength Everton getting much on City. And I can't see that changing on Saturday. No, no, I agree. I think maybe, you know, Everton might. Might score and make it interesting. It was a close game in the league, wasn't it? It'd probably be a bit. It different, was. So. It was to be fair. But City's quality should should be enough to get them through. All right, well, Belton. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As I said, tune in next week when we'll talk about that FA Cup quarterfinal match, whichever the result goes, and maybe hopefully with it being international break, we'll have a bit a bit more time to talk on a bit more in depth on some City uh, topics that have been coming up over the week or so. So, thank you all very much for listening. Go over to the Manchester Evening News forward slash Man City. For all your Man City needs, go on Twitter at Man City and Facebook, Manchester City MEN. And obviously, subscribe, like, rate five stars, all that. And uh, we'll catch you next time.